0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. I hope you're ready for a wild ride because it is story time. Today I'm going to tell you all about my time working in security. And boy, do I have some stories to tell and some wisdom to impart. This may not be so appropriate for a younger audience. As you may expect of someone working in security in the UK, there's a lot of violence, sex and drugs involved. So maybe I'd recommend this episode for an adult audience only. With that having been said, my name is Lewis, and this is Budo, the Marshall Way. Let's get into it. Before I go into the history of why I started working in security, let me tell you the story of my very first night working on the doors. My first night working as a bouncer, I got a gig at a nightclub in town. It's the second biggest club in my local town, not huge, maybe medium size, but this night was different. When I arrived, I saw it was already quite busy. I approached one of the doormen and introduced myself and when I explained that it was my first day on the job, he laughed and he said something like, you picked the wrong night. So, I went inside and I started talking to one of the other doormen of which there were three other guys working there that night. So this other guy explained to me that the club was hosting a special drum and bass night that night for a big DJ. So there were a lot of people from out of town. Now, this is important because what you need to understand is that generally speaking, people don't shit in their own backyard. Please excuse my language. But if that offends you, it's probably best you switch off now. So like I was saying, local people aren't quite so quick to cause trouble because chances are they'll be back again in the future. But people from out of town don't care so much, because they're a lot less likely to ever come back. Also, drum and bass is a pretty high-tempo, aggressive kind of music, so right from the start, we were expecting a rough night. And let me tell you, it got real rough, real fast. First of all, let me try to convey to you my mindset as I begin working there. I'm six foot tall, and as I type this, I'm about 75 kilograms body weight and seven to eight percent body fat. So I'm not a huge guy. I'm wearing a jacket. I look like I have a very average build. So I'm standing there in this club, and I have this huge feeling of imposter syndrome. Last time I was in a club, I was one of the punters. I was one of these young guys trying to sneak in gear past the bouncers. Now I am one of the bouncers. So it felt quite. Surreal for me. As I'm standing there, I'm looking at the lads around me, big groups of guys. Many of them are taller than me or bigger than me. And obviously, I have a lot of training and sparring experience, but it's something else entirely when you're standing there on the job facing the very real possibility that you're going to have to physically engage some of these people in the near future. Well, I didn't have to worry about that for very long. Because just 15 minutes after I arrive, I'll say that again, 15 minutes after I arrive, someone starts hitting me on the back repeatedly. I turn around and there's this girl standing there screaming at me, there's a fight, there's a fight outside. Straight in, no messing about. So I start frantically waving to one of the other bouncers way over on the other side of the club. He sees me and immediately starts sprinting off in another direction. I figure he's going for backup. So I turn around and I follow this girl up a set of stairs which leads out to the smoking area, which is kind of on like a big uh, rooftop sort of area outside. As I step outside, I look around. There's people everywhere. And to my left, there's these two guys going at it. One guy is sat on the floor propped up against the wall and the other guy stood over him, one hand holding his collar and the other hand balled up in a fist, repeatedly smashing this bloke in the face. Now, the thing is, this was October, I think, and it was cold and wet. And you see this rooftop smoking area had a big wooden decking and it had rained on this decking during the day and now it had frozen over. So I was basically stood in the middle of an ice rink. So when I saw this guy smashing this other guy's face in, I immediately take off at a sprint toward him. And what happens? I fall flat on my ass. Honest to God, like total sketch comedy, slapstick as anything. I looked like an absolute fool. And everybody's laughing at me. It was quite embarrassing. So anyway, I get up and I go over to these two guys. I grab the guy on top and I basically armbar him so he can't punch the other guy anymore. As I'm holding him, he falls forward with his other arm pinned underneath him. He's kicking and screaming, yelling at me to get off him, which obviously I'm not going to do. I've got very good control of him, so I just sit on him for a few seconds longer until the other two doormen come up and help out. Then between the three of us, I've got a hold of one arm, another doorman has a hold of his other arm, and the third guy has him around the neck. And despite the three of us firmly holding on to him, this coked up moron puts up a fight the whole way through the club, thrashing around, trying to get loose while we carry him down the stairs, across the dance floor, past the bar, and toss him out the door. Interesting thing to note here. When you throw someone out the door of a bar or a club, there's a moment when you toss them out onto the street and you stand there ready to see what he does because every single person you toss out onto the street does one of two things. They either chill out and accept their defeat or they turn around and immediately charge straight back at you. It's very interesting to see the difference. In this case, despite the guy doing absolutely everything he can to fight us in the club, the second we toss him outside, he immediately simmers down and is no longer a problem. I just think it's so funny. I'm sure you can imagine, as someone going into security, starting to work at bars and clubs, obviously the big thing on your mind is dealing with fights and having to toss people out the door. I can't get over how I'm on the job For just 15 minutes and immediately have to deal with a fight entirely on my own. Fantastic. But you know what? I'm glad I did, because that absolutely popped my cherry. I had a lot less worries after that, so things went pretty well considering. Also, that didn't just prove to myself that I could deal with the pressure, but it also proved to the guys that I was working with. After that night, we all had a drink together and they told me that sometimes you get sent some absolutely useless weaklings who cannot deal with any kind of high stakes situation, which is something I learned for myself down the line and something I'll talk a bit more about later. So right from the word go, they saw I have what it takes to do the job, which earned their respect. And that is something very important in such a dangerous line of work. So let's rewind for a second. Let me explain to you how I got into working in security in the first place. I actually came across it purely by chance. You see, before I came to Japan, I was living up by Manchester. And while I was there, I was in and out of work a lot, did a few different jobs. And one year, as it was coming up to Christmas, I took a temp job in a warehouse. As they were showing me and a few other people around the warehouse, the manager mentioned that they hire security when things get busy in the last couple of months before Christmas. So I asked him what kind of contracting procedure they had for that as it was something I'd be interested in. At the time, I felt like he was a little dismissive of it. He just said something about using an external company to sort it all out. But actually, a few days after that, that company called me The manager had passed on my details and recommended me for the position. At the time, I had never actually worked in security. But if you're new to the podcast and don't know anything about me, I have a long history of practicing martial arts and I served as a reservist in the British Army for three years. So I felt like it was a pretty easy fit. The company told me over the phone that if I went on a course and got qualified, the position was mine and they'd pay for my training too. I don't know what the situation is in America, and most of you guys listening in are from the States, but in the UK, you have to be qualified and registered with the government to work in security. We have a governing body called the SIA, Security Industry Authority. They do a pretty comprehensive background and criminal records check. Actually, a third of all applications are rejected, so they do take it pretty seriously. So I started doing security at that warehouse solo. It was I was the only guy there, huge place, lots of staff, and that was my way in. But while I was working there, we had a huge influx of these temp staff, and one of the guys worked on the door in town on the weekend. So he was my contact to get him work as a bouncer. It's amazing. When you know how to talk to people and start making moves, doors just open up everywhere. Just one thing after another. People are always offering me work. It's great. So, working the doors, bouncing, bars and clubs. It's interesting. Obviously, my martial arts experience gives me some preparation in dealing with physical altercations And I'd say military experience helps prepare you for people getting aggressive with you. But one of the big things that really helped set me apart was actually my experience working as a personal trainer. When I talk about doormen and bouncers, what image immediately comes into your mind? I think most people imagine this stereotype, tall, broad, heavy bloke, big heavy guy that no one's going to throw around easily and of course there are a lot of guys like that and it's good to have some big dude with a lot of mass in your team shout out to my boy gaz but for me as i said earlier i'm stronger and have more muscle mass than the average person but at six foot i'm pretty average height at around seven percent body fat i'm very lean So while I can handle myself, I'm not one of these big guys who can just throw his weight around easily. That's not me. What really helped me on the job and what really set me apart in a lot of respects was my ability to talk to people. I was the negotiator. One thing I learned working on the door was that it often helps to make a lot of friends early in the night. Don't be too friendly. Definitely don't show any weakness. That's something I'll come back to in a minute. But it does help to get people on side and build a certain rapport if possible. Let me give you one perfect example I can think of. I was bouncing at this bar, two-man door, me and one other guy. And this big group of women comes in with one bloke among them. They're a real bunch of cougars, maybe late 30s, early 40s. I say hi to them, exchange a few words, nothing special. A little later in the night, I'm stood inside and the bloke approaches me. He mentions my boots. I was wearing my army issue boots at the time and he spotted them, looking real clean and polished, of course. So he asks me about my history and we start chatting. Turns out he has a long military history Iraq, Afghanistan, multiple tours. And now in the bar, he got dragged out by his girlfriend who's out with her friends, kind of trying to get him out the house, sort of get him active kind of thing. But he's obviously not having a great time. It's clearly a ladies night out and he's just tagging along. But I talked to him for a while and he seems to perk up a bit. And at the end, he tells me that he was having a pretty bad time at first, but he was feeling a lot better after our chat. He was a lot more enthusiastic about the night, so that was really good. Now, fast forward to the end of the night, maybe something like three or four hours later. I'm inside, but I notice my colleague dealing with some heat on the street outside. Not a fight, but some people obviously getting a bit angry and excited. I go out there, and what do I find? I find the bloke from before, drunk as a skunk, real angry, having a shouting match with his girlfriend and the other doorman. It's a sight, absolutely terrible. But you know what happened? As soon as I step over to him, I say, whoa, hey, whoa, what's going on? What's the problem? The moment he sees me, he completely changes. Instantly, he calms right down and he's all like, oh, sorry, man. Oh, I didn't want to cause any trouble. Sorry, mate, sorry, sorry. Instantly diffused the situation, immediately brought him right back down. And that was purely because I had built that connection earlier in the night. I'd gained his respect and now he wanted to work with me, not because of fear or because I was applying any force, but because he respected me. And that was not an isolated event. That kind of thing happened all the time. You get people on side early in the night when people are sober and reasonable and then later in the night when they're drunk and unreasonable, that good karma will pay you back big time. So let me tell you some of the other things I learned working on The Doors. Absolutely fascinating job. I have a real interest in psychology. I find it very interesting learning about why people behave the way they do, what motivates people. And if you enjoy people watching, (laughs) this job is absolutely great. A really unique thing about working in security is that you can just stand around basically staring at people and no one thinks anything of it. Because obviously, it's expected of you. You're a security guard. It's your job to watch what people are doing. If you had some guy stood at the bar all by himself, looking around the room, checking everyone out, that would look creepy. You'd immediately clock that guy and wonder what he's up to. That kind of behavior looks real suspect. But as a guard, it's your job. Not only can you stand around watching people, but you also have complete freedom to talk to anyone. As I bounced doors, I spent a lot of time standing around the smoking area. And at a few bars I worked at, the smoking area was just outside the main entrance. Normally, as a guy, I'm sure all of you listening to this right now know exactly what I'm talking about. As a guy, if I approach some girl at the bar, most women are immediately at least a little bit defensive. They think, like, who's this guy? Is he hitting on me? Who's he with? That kind of stuff. Of course, you'll start checking me out, trying to measure me up, get an idea of what kind of person I am. This is the mating ritual we play as human beings on a night out. Well, as a doorman, first and foremost, when you speak to someone, man or woman, they don't look at you and see a guy on a night out. They look at you and they see a bouncer. So every single person I spoke to had a few ideas about me immediately in their mind. I'm a member of staff. I'm working, I'm sober. I'm a pretty sociable individual, as you would expect of a personal trainer. I like to talk to people. I like to meet new people, shoot the shit, see what's going on. So working as a doorman, 90% of the time, it's like having a sober night out. You're just hanging around talking to people. It's great. The other 10% of the time, you are having to deal with conflicts, but sometimes that's fun too. Watching people... Seeing how they interact in this kind of loud environment when you can't really hear what people's saying, it is so interesting. When I explain to people the things I see and learn working at night, I very often compare their behavior to dogs. We like to think that as highly sentient, self aware life forms, we're so remarkably intelligent. Look at all this technology we've made, bear witness to the modern marvels of science and medicine. But when you've got a bunch of men and women getting drunk at a bar, they're acting on a far more instinctive, animalistic level of consciousness. Look at people's posture. See how some stand up tall, chest out. Others hunch over and cower into a corner. Look at how people make eye contact. If a man is looking to intimidate someone or a woman is looking to attract someone, they'll seek out that eye contact, try to lock on and maintain it. But if a man is being passive in the face of an aggressor or a woman is disinterested in the person she's talking to, they'll look down and away. Look at people's arms and hands. Are they open wide, maybe one hand on the hip, the other gesturing as they talk, or are they closed, arms across the stomach or chest? Look at a group of people. Are they introverted, only interested in having fun amongst themselves? Or are they extroverted? Are they looking out across the bar, invested in what other people are doing and seeing who's about? What do people look like when they arrive? Are they already excited, hyped up for a night? Maybe they're celebrating something. Or are they more subdued? Maybe they've had a long day and they're coming out because they want to blow off some steam. There's a million different things happening with everyone all the time all sorts of different clues that can tell you a lot more than the words they say. I'm no body language expert. I'm just someone who has an interest in psychology and has spent a lot of time watching people. It doesn't matter so much what people say. Most people don't say anything. What's your name? What do you do? Where are you from? It's the same old boring shit. No one's really interested in that. The real conversation happens between two people's body language, their posture, the way they gesture, facial expressions, eye contact. If you want to improve your communication skills, these are some of the things you need to learn to understand and not just in theory. Of course, if you want to read some books and watch some YouTube video or whatever, I'm sure you'll learn a lot. But at the end of the day, all of that means nothing without practical experience. What you need to do is get out there and talk to people, a lot of people. And the more you do it, the more these things you'll start to pick up. Actually, now I think about it, I think what's really key, one of the things a lot of people miss is when they're having these kind of conversations, they're spending too much time thinking about themselves. People think, what should I say next? Am I being engaging? Are they interested in me? You know, people are invested in their own story that they're telling. But working as a doorman, most of the time I wasn't thinking about myself at all. I was out at the same places every weekend. My entire focus was on everyone else. That was my job. That's how I was able to pick up so much about these subtle clues because I was always entirely focused on them. Or at least that's when I was having a normal, reasonable conversation with people. It's a little bit different when you're dealing with troublemakers. Troublemakers. So let me tell you a little more about how to deal with difficult people. Generally speaking, every difficult person you have to deal with on a night out is going to have some booze in them. Of course, not everyone drinks alcohol at a bar, but people who are stone cold sober are usually much less likely to start trouble. Big surprise. So anyone causing issues is going to have at least a couple of drinks in them. They might not be straight up drunk, But they're going to be a little bit loose and have some of that Dutch courage. So let me give you some tip-top advice on how to deal with drunkards. But this also really applies to anyone. You can keep this information in mind for any verbal altercation. But it's especially useful with people who've been drinking. So first of all, if you find yourself arguing with one of these people, do not get sucked into a debate. No matter how cogent someone may initially sound, if they have been drinking, I guarantee you that they will never stop arguing. You will not win the argument. Let me say that again. This is very important. If you are on a night out and you're at a bar or a club and you find yourself in a heated discussion with someone, do not get sucked into a debate with them because no matter what you say. I guarantee you will not win the argument. Absolutely nothing you say to them will change their mind because they are not interested in realizing the truth of the situation or reaching any kind of rational understanding between the two of you. All they want to do is beat you in an argument and they will not stop until they think they have reached that point. And you're both there on a night out. You know you don't have anywhere you need to be. So they'll just keep going until the sun rises. Honestly, I swear to you, I have seen people argue the toss over nothing for hours, literal hours. When you're dealing with this kind of person, a good trick to use is the broken record technique. If you try to debate them, they will always respond to whatever point you're making with something else. As you're having a discussion with them... You're having a back and forth and exchanging dialogue. It may feel like you're going somewhere, but trust me, you ain't. At best, you'll just end up going round in circles. So act like a broken record and keep repeating the same thing. This will become boring for them and they will eventually leave. Let me give you an example. I remember one time I was bouncing at this bar, same bar I was talking to you about earlier with that military guy. And at the start of the night, the manager told us strictly no trainers, all right? No trainers, dress shoes only, fancy place, quite high class. Eventually some guy turns up, you guessed it, wearing trainers. To be fair, he was quite well dressed and the trainers were black, but still I don't make the rules, I just enforce them. So after some dialogue, some polite yet firm explanation of the situation, He refuses to leave. He wants in. So the conversation went something like this. He said to me, I've come all the way from Wilmslow. I spent 80 quid in a taxi to get here. I respond, I understand that. And there are plenty of other bars you can visit, but I'm afraid wearing those trainers, you're not getting in here. He says, Oh, these trainers cost 300 quid. Oh, they're more expensive than most of the shoes people are walking in with right now. So I say again, I hear what you're saying, but I'm afraid tonight, We've been told no trainers, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, you say something like, I know the manager. I drink here every weekend. Tell him my name. He knows me. So you just got to say, if you want to step outside and give him a call, you're free to do so. But again, right now, you're not coming in. Now, this is the point where they maybe, <laughs> be, you know, eventually they'll lose their patience and they'll say, Oh, this is bullshit. You're a fucking job's worth, mate. You need to get over yourself. So you just say, All right, but you're not coming in this kind of conversation just doesn't go anywhere and eventually they will get tired of it. You just got to keep saying, okay, I hear what you're saying, but you're not coming in. So, that nicely leads on to the next point I want to make. Another important factor to think about when you're dealing with these kind of people is to acknowledge what they have said. When you're having an argument with someone, And by argument, I mean any kind of discussion, not just an angry conflict. When you are communicating with someone in this manner, of course, we know that most people aren't really listening to what the other person is saying, but instead waiting for their turn to speak because everybody wants to be heard, right? That guy I spoke about before, if he says to me, I paid 80 quid in a taxi to get here and I just respond, you're not coming in. Even if I have heard what he said, if I have not acknowledged it in any way, he just feels like that fact has been completely dismissed. And as he feels a personal attachment to that fact, as it was his time and his money he spent on that, he feels like he himself is being dismissed and ignored and diminished personally. So when someone says something to you, when a person conveys some information to you that they clearly care about, don't just ignore it and immediately respond with your own point. Even if you have heard what they said, you need to convey that fact that you have heard, that you are listening. So at the very least, take a brief moment to acknowledge what they have said. I understand what you're saying, but I hear what you're saying. I appreciate that. However... Don't apologize. You don't want to say anything that sounds like you're admitting any kind of fault or liability, but acknowledge what they have said to you before you move on to your own point. You'll be surprised how much this does help diffuse an individual, which nicely brings me on to my next piece of advice. When you're in a position like this in which you're meeting new people, people you're unsure about, people who may potentially be a problem at a later time or date, Never show weakness. When I first started working the doors, sometimes, especially at the start of the night, I'd be just a little bit too chipper. I'd want to be friendly and inviting and for everyone to have a good time. But if you invite everyone who walks through the door with a big smile and a, you are right there? How's it going? If you've got a group of 40 something year old ladies, that's absolutely fine. But if you've got a group of 20-something-year-old lads and that's the first impression they have of you, they are going to immediately label you as weak, not a threat. And then later on in the night, when they're starting shit and you've got to confront them, they are going to take one look at you and think, oh, fuck that guy. He's a little bitch. He ain't going to do shit. And no matter how stern or intimidating you try to be, you've already been labeled and they won't take anything you say seriously. So when I see a group like that, no matter how sober or friendly or reasonable they may be at the start of the night, four hours later, they're going to be a whole different group of animals. So rather than being super friendly and chore genki, I'll give them a short nod. You all right, lads? Polite, professional, but firm, direct. Look them in the eyes, show them respect, but I do not show any sign of weakness. This is a very difficult tightrope to traverse. Finding the balance is real tricky. And of course, like I said, the balance that is required is completely different with everyone. If you've got a 50-year-old couple coming in, I'm going to speak to them very differently than I would a group of half a dozen 20-year-old lads. And as I said before, there's a huge value in getting people on side, building a rapport with people and establishing positive connections. If you're too aggressive with people from the word go, they're going to see you as the enemy and it'll be a real hassle to deal with them over even the slightest issue. But if you're too friendly, some people will sniff out weakness and take advantage of that. This is one of the most valuable life skills I have learned from working on the doors Speaking to people with a very direct degree of professionalism and respect, but at the same time not betraying any kind of weakness. Before I came to Japan, I had a shitty part-time job for a couple of months at a fast food place. Just a quick thing to get some extra cash in the bank before I left. At one point, I was in the staff room quietly having some lunch while there was some banter going around among the other staff members. Some people were getting a little bit cheeky, a little bit rude. One of the slightly more cocky guys said something to me. I cannot remember what he said. I apologize. I honestly can't remember what exactly he said to me. All I remember was that it was pretty rude and disrespectful. And because I was new there, you could see he was kind of testing me, seeing what he could get away with. So what I did is I just looked straight at him and I said, don't talk to me like that. Absolutely No expression on my face, flat delivery, no emotion in my voice. I wasn't displaying to him that I was hurt or embarrassed by what I said. I wasn't responding to him aggressively or attacking him back, but I was very clear and direct. As I said that, you could see the kind of cocky smile drop from his face slightly and he never gave me shit again, nor did anyone else. I guess this is something you can't really fake. Obviously, I have a long history of martial arts, military security experience backing me up when I say something like that, which is, I think, what gives it such weight. When I tell someone, don't talk to me like that, they can see that I'm not puffing my chest out trying to act like a tough guy. It is the information that is conveyed from all those things I talked about before posture, body language, eye contact, also now tone of voice, it becomes quite clear what someone is really saying. And that's something you can't learn in a book or on YouTube. You've got to live the life. Those on the way become the way. The last thing I want to talk to you about is the value of teamwork. This is something I believe is entirely lost on civilians. When you watch a war movie, I think one of the greatest things that appeals to normal men is the intense brotherhood that is often cultivated among fellow soldiers. I was never deployed in a combat role overseas. We pulled out of Iraq and Afghanistan before I had the chance to go. But even in my limited experience in the military and in security, and also practicing martial arts, I have been fortunate enough to experience a much deeper bond of trust between men than most civilians ever have the chance to know. Working as a bouncer specifically, when you're in a bar or a club surrounded by all kinds of drunkards and leery dudes, some of these people are looking for a fight. They want things to kick off. And a lot of the time, these guys and all their mates drastically outnumber you and the one or two guys you're working with. So you've got to be careful. I can't deal with everyone at once. When I'm talking to someone who's starting trouble, I need to know, not think, I need to know that the guy I'm working with is watching my back. True camaraderie is only born within this element of life-threatening danger. If you work in some office jobs pushing paper around, there is absolutely no requirement for you to really rely on any of the people around you. I have heard countless stories from people I know about bickering and getting annoyed with their colleagues over the most insignificant, irrelevant nonsense. Of course, when you're stuck in an office with these people all day, every day, I'm sure whatever irritating mannerisms these people may have will eventually begin to grate on you, but what you need to understand is that when the stakes are so low, any minor habits your office coworkers may have tend to get blown way out of proportion. But when the stakes are much higher, like getting shot, getting your legs blown off, stabbed, or at the very least punched in the face, your focus sharpens very quickly on the real issues at hand. I mentioned to you before about how the guys at the first club I worked at told me that they were glad I wasn't useless. I was surprised by that. At the time, as a new doorman myself, I assumed that everyone on the job was competent. It wasn't until later on that I realized that to very much not be the case. There was this one guy I worked with. He was a bit shorter than me, which in itself isn't a problem. I've worked with some short guys who are hard as nails, but he was short, slim, no real muscle on him, no fat, no mass to him at all. And best of all, his day job, he was a school bus driver. This guy, he was so soft. Really nice guy, very friendly, very polite, absolute sweetheart, no question. I think working in security, he'd be much better off working at a busy club, somewhere he can stand on the door and talk to people surrounded by some bigger, meaner-looking dudes. But the problem was that when I was working with him, the bar I was at, it was just me and him. It was just a two-man door. I had absolutely zero faith in his ability to cover my back when things get physical. The interesting thing about that bar though, when I was working there, I was either on the door by myself or with one other person, but right next door was a slightly larger bar, usually a younger crowd. So depending on the night, they'd have three or four guys working there. Now, despite these guys at the other bar working for a different group, different employer, they told me that if I ever needed their help, they'd have my back and they did. I had to call them over. I had to call them over a couple of times when I was working by myself. Once I can remember, in particular, having to deal with an angry, liquored up group of middle-aged gentlemen. They didn't have to do that. They had absolutely no obligation to help me out at all. But they did. They stuck their neck out for me because that's how you roll in these kind of jobs. You've got to have the back of the people around you. You just have to. Because if you want them to have your back, you need to do the same. The other town I worked in, a little further up north, when I worked there, we all had walkie-talkies. The frequency we were on was shared by about four or five different bars in the area. Again, same situation. We weren't officially working together. We were all paid by different people. But there was a mutual understanding that when shit goes down, we all muck in. What do they say in rugby? one in all in that's something i definitely miss about my time working in these positions there's just nothing that compares to it in civilian life maybe sports like i said rugby or jiu-jitsu anyway i'm gonna leave it there for today i've got a whole bunch of other stuff that i was going to talk about but i've already shared enough for now i've also written down some notes about some of the exciting stuff i got up to working at festivals i also did a little residential security for a couple of millionaire mansions I think you may also be interested to hear about my experience encountering drugs and drug dealers while working as a doorman. And I've also got a whole lot more to talk about psychology of people you meet, especially women, some of whom really like bouncers, let me tell you. I'm also qualified in close protection and surveillance and intelligence, both advanced courses I took from a company run by a guy who's ex-SAS, British Special Forces, Close protection is basically bodyguard work and surveillance and intelligence is literally spying or counter spying. But disclaimer, I've never actually used either of those qualifications, but the courses I did were very interesting and very exciting. I swear to God, some of the stuff I've done in my life is straight out of a movie. It's ridiculous. But these are all things I'll talk about in the future. I hope you found today's podcast interesting. I know some of you who listen to my podcast really enjoy the guided meditation. When I bring it down, cultivate mindfulness and a sense of awareness. But I also know that some of you prefer to hear about my experiences in working and in training. And I've learned a lot in some of the crazy jobs I've done over the years. Of course, I will do an extensive podcast in the future, also talking about my military experience. So I hope that I was able to share some of that experience with you today, and I hope you've been able to learn one or two things from my stories. Thank you very much for your patience, my friends. I appreciate you listening to me weave my tales as I share my wisdom and experience, however much that may be. I'm still a young man in his early 30s. I don't have any grandchildren I can regale with my stories just yet. So for now, I shall share them with you. Next week, by request, I will be sharing with you my book recommendations. I have been contacted on Twitter and asked for more information regarding a reading list. So I'm going to go through some of my highest rated recommendations, a few of which I actively study with my clients here in Japan. Until then, you do what you got to do. Questions, comments, love, hate. Hit me up on Twitter, at WayBudo. That's all for today. So, all together now, let me hear you say it. Those on the way, become the way.